Welcome to the Nutrition-ish Podcast, the place for all things nutrition and mindfulness. We are passionate about guiding you to make peace with food and empower your body and brain. I'm one of your hosts, Allie Hobson. I'm an NTP, Nutritional Therapy Practitioner in San Diego. I work with individuals to assess personal nutritional deficiencies and imbalances by addressing the root cause of any health issue. In my private practice, I focus on women's hormones, gut health, and thyroid dysfunction. Let's meet my co-host. I'm Chelsea Gross, a certified transformational nutrition coach based in Los Angeles. I work one-on-one with women who are ready to break free from dieting, make peace with food, and create a life they love filled with energy, self-love, and freedom from rules and obsession. I'm also the creator of the ebook, Break Free from Disordered Eating. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is intended to be informative and entertaining and should not replace medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. We are so excited you're here. Let's get to the episode. You're listening to episode 55 of the Nutrition-ish podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We have another amazing interview today. I'm really excited because it's one of my real life girlfriends. Today we have Amanda. You guys may know her from Raw Fitness and Nutrition. She's a holistic health coach and personal trainer. I think she's such a wealth of knowledge about gut health, mental health, fitness. She's just really down to earth, super kind, super smart. And we've built a really special connection and friendship over just the last year. We even traveled together to Palm Springs only the second time after knowing each other. (laughs) So I'm so excited to have her on the show today. I'm going to go ahead and read her bio. She is a personal trainer, fitness nutritionist, and holistic health coach based in Los Angeles. Amanda helps clients improve their health, develop sustainable habits, and achieve their goals to be their best, most vibrant selves. Hey, Amanda. Hi. So nice to be here. How are you? I'm so excited to see your face. I'm doing great. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to get into today's interview and talk about a bunch of different things. But before we get started, will you just tell us a little bit about your story, how you got here, and why you are so passionate about all the things you share about and do? Yes, of course. Um, I became a personal trainer in 2005, right after I moved to Los Angeles from New York. I moved here to pursue acting, which I know that's one thing we have in common. Um, And I really wasn't into health or fitness at the time. I was pretty much the opposite. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was like holding on to a ton of extra weight that did not feel good on my body. Um, I thought that personal training would just be like a great way to make some extra money while also having the, the ability to create my own schedule to go to auditions when I needed to. So I got certified through NASM and I began to use what I was learning on myself. Um, and my body began to transform, but so did my entire life. I started to see like how fitness and nutrition was a tool to create everything else that you want in your life. You know, when you feel good in your body, your relationships improve, you are better at your job, your mental health improves, you just show up as a better human being in the world. And I wanted to help other people feel that way too. Um, so I started taking on clients and began to uh, build my personal training business and then got certified as a holistic nutritionist. And now I help coach people all over. Amazing. And you got started with this all kind of before, I feel like health coaching is so huge now and people call themselves coaches who even have no certification or training or anything like that. Even trainers, like people out there putting out programs and eBooks and training guides and things like that without the education behind it. So I love that you really have like the roots in this business and yeah. Yeah. I was doing it before it was wellness was cool, I guess. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, you mentioned briefly that you've, and you've talked about this on your social media and stuff like that about dealing with anxiety and depression and even um, dealing with that before you really discovered fitness and holistic nutrition, everything like that. I know that our audience and myself included deal with these things. What, besides just kind of the basics with getting moving and having a passion for fitness and nutrition and eating more, you know, real foods and things like that, what are some specific things that you did early on in your journey to work through that stuff, even maybe around 
like the mindset and consciousness of even that being an issue for you? And yeah, what kind of steps did you take to work through that stuff? I think one of the most important things I did was to like seek help, whether it like for me, I went to started going to therapy, but I think even like hiring a coach, I feel like is so invaluable. Um, I think just like getting, having somebody to talk to and move through things with is so helpful. Um, therapy for me just like made me so much more self-aware. I understood like why I was doing certain things. Um, and really it enabled me to like have, an idea of what I was feeling because I was so out of touch with my own feelings that I felt like that was like one of the most valuable things that I ever did. And I think for so many, I think therapy is so helpful for everybody. Um, yeah. Moving my body, eating clean foods, of course. Um, and just like getting back in touch with my body. I think, you know, I went through college really kind of like trying a lot of different diets and you get doing that, you get so out of touch with your body because you're like eating every two to three hours and you're like, I'm not even hungry. Why am I even eating? Um, so I think that's one of the main things too, is just like really getting in touch with your actual hunger and just like eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're, you know, 80% full. Yeah. I love that you touched on that. And I feel like you were talking about that, t that today, even on your Instagram, <laughs> um, cause you were just at Expo West and tasting a bunch of the natural quote unquote natural <laughs> snacks they have to offer. And you were saying today that you're just slowing down. You're going to eat when you're hungry. You're going to stop when you're full. You're going to get back in touch with your hunger. And I think you're so right. And I talk about that all the time too, with diets where we get so far away from listening to our body or having any intuition or any balance or flexibility with the way that we eat because it's so regimented and all about rules. And I think the large um, part of our audience is around our generation, like 20s, 30s, 40s, where when we grew up, it was just like yeses and nos, this is good, this is bad. And so we're all kind of in this phase of just now for the first time, kind of relearning or learning for the first time about what do we even like? What does keep us full? What does feel good? Maybe, yeah, what does help me not feel as anxious or not depressed or all that stuff? So it's, it's totally a journey. And I love too that you mentioned therapy because I think it's important that we continue to remove the stigma from like, cause I remember in, in high school, not to talk too much about myself, <laughs> but I remember in high school, I was dealing with anxiety really, really bad. And I was, my mom would come during lunchtime and take me to therapy. And this was 15, 16 years ago, or even a little longer. Um, and so I was so embarrassed and like ashamed of it that I would like hot or I would kind of tell my friends like, Oh, my mom's just coming to take me out to lunch. And really I was going to therapy. So yeah. So I love that you, you talk about it and you continue to do it. Right. Yeah. I continue to do it. And I remember when I first started going to therapy, when I first moved to LA, I remember telling my mom, I wanted to go to therapy and she just was like, thought it was the craziest thing ever. Oh, really? I, think, I think part of that was that she didn't want to feel like she had any um, doing in my depression and anxiety. Like she was felt like she was at fault. So I think, yeah, I think that that was like really tough because she was like, you don't need to go to therapy. But I'm like, yeah, every, I feel like I, I do. And I still need to, I still need to check in and make sure that like I'm doing what is best for me and, and being in touch with my feelings. Absolutely. Oh, I love that so much. And you don't have to work through stuff when it gets bad. You can be proactive and preventative. That's, that's the wave of the future is getting ahead of issues. Cause we're all in this like chronic illness generation where we're so deep in the hole and it's so much harder to work through stuff when you're like seriously struggling. So same yeah. thing with like illnesses, right. And health. Yeah. like we want to be preventative about things rather than waiting until we're like sick and unable to do anything about it. Yeah. Which is holistic health, holistic medicine, which is what we're all about here. <laughs> well, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about, we've never had a trainer on the show. Ooh. So I'd love to know a little bit about your experience with that. And even as we were touching on with kind of the yes, no, or even you said eating multiple times a day, that's kind of like a bodybuilder style diet, which when I've worked with trainers and, you know, since we both live in LA, I worked with a few LA trainers who kind of put me on that, that protocol or that plan or that style of eating. But what I love about you is you have such a different approach and you're, you're still focused on helping people achieve goals and you're not want to shy away from talking about weight loss, which I still think is important for us not to 
you can give your, your opinion on that a little bit, but how do you kind of, um, how do you kind of approach things when you work with someone, you know, when they still have goals and body composition or weight loss goals and things like that, but still work through a sustainable way of doing things and less of that cookie cutter trainer approach? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I've actually been thinking a lot about this because I don't have a lot of clients who come to see me for say like 12 weeks to reach their goal and then they leave. My clients who come to see me, they stick with me for a very long time. I mean, I've had clients for, I mean, almost like 10 years. It's, you know, so I, I see a lot of other trainers who just like give out meal plans and they expect their clients to stick with them. And I don't, I've never had anybody be able to stick to a meal plan. Um, I... <laughs> Siren. Siren. <laughs> um, I really like to educate my clients on why I want them to do a certain thing and educate them on how what they're doing is not only going to affect their body composition, but how it's going to affect their skin, their digestion, their mood, their energy, and then continuing to have an ongoing conversation with them about how they're feeling, what effects that they're noticing. You know, I think that people don't change their habits because I'm telling them to. Um, they change their habits because they're educated on why and what they're doing and how, and how they're starting to see and feel those improvements in their health and how they feel every day. Body compositions are great to see. You know, of course they are. Don't get me wrong. But it's usually not why clients create permanent change and continue to maintain those habits. Yeah, absolutely. And so if someone has a weight loss goal or a body composition goal, or even I know you've worked with kind of even like celebrity clients and people who maybe have to look good on the red carpet or for a role or something like that, or just even the pressure of people living in LA and wanting to look good or feeling like they need to look good. Is it, do you, are you able to see success with those people and have them create that permanent change because you don't, while you're still pursuing maybe those certain goals, you're focusing so much more on everything else. And so you kind of remove the pressure from, from achieving a certain weight by focusing on like their mindset and how they feel and the why behind the choices that they're making and stress and sleep and all that stuff. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think when people come to see me, they already kind of know the way that I work either from like Instagram or my website or from talking to me on the phone because I'm very clear about like, yes, I will help you get to your goal, but also um, we're going to do it in a very sustainable way in a way that's going to help you feel better overall and not just to get that body, you know, because we want you to feel good on the way there and want you to feel good after and want it to be sustainable. And um, I think you can only do that through like a healthy way of, you know, because I can easily put somebody on a plan and have them get to their goal, but they're not going to stick with it. And it's not their, and they're not going to feel good. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's going to be so hard. You know, I could put you on broccoli and chicken all day, but like who wants to eat that every day? Yeah. It's not just me. a quick fix. You're not really learning anything. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever have anyone though that maybe things they kind of accept your your philosophy and then really are striving still for that quick fix and get kind of frustrated and you have to sort of reel them back in into what's really important and how they feel yeah i think that happens a lot actually um because people do want to see changes and i i have to I have to remind them that they have to trust the process, you know, like trust that, we'll, that what we're doing is going to work and you might not see the changes right away, but you will eventually start to see them. And it's, yeah, it's definitely a challenge for sure. But, uh, you know, I also, and then I try to like bring the focus back onto how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, are you feeling better? Are your clothes fitting better? Maybe we're not seeing changes on the scale, but how are you feeling? Do you feel good? Yeah, exactly. I wish I had a trainer like you <laughs> seven, eight years ago when I was seeing trainers at Crunch Fitness here in LA and they were having me track my calories and do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, and there was literally zero conversation about how I felt or my mindset. And I had the most disordered relationship with food in my body. It was doing all these destructive things, but the only thing they cared about was how much weight are you losing and how many calories are you eating? And it was so simplistic and so non-personalized. And then I felt like the issue was me when I wasn't seeing results. Right. Yeah. 
And I think, yeah, like, you know, when somebody comes to me for weight loss goals, of course, like I want to get them there. You know, it's, that is like the end goal is to get them there. But I think I, I think there's so much more to that, right? Like I still want to make sure you're having a nutrient dense diet and you're, you're still eating enough and making sure that, you know, like every, you know, because of course, and then we like have to look at hormones and we can like easily put you on a drastic diet, but then how are, how is your, how are your hormones going to be? How's your gut health going to be after that? Probably not great. So yeah, of course, like weight loss is a lot of the reason people come to see me as a personal trainer. So I do still want to get them there. I just want to do it in a, in a way that, you know, going to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of feeling good, I know you talk so much about gut health, which may have been how we bonded in the first place. Um, Why is gut health such a strong passion of yours? And is that one of the first places that you start with your clients? Yeah, it's my favorite subject to talk about for sure. It's, um, I think it is a good way to get clients to start to understand how food is affecting them because I think gut health is something almost everybody is trying to improve. Um, and the gut is tied to so much, your immune system, your mood, the way your brain is functioning, your metabolism, if your gut is compromised, it's can be really hard to reach your goals. You're not going to, um, you know, take, take the nutrients out of the food. If your gut health is not, if your gut is not working properly. Um, yeah. What was your second question? Sorry. Is this one of, or is it's, this where you start with your clients? Are, are you pa- you're passionate mostly because you've dealt with a lot of digestive issues though yourself, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I can be very empathetic towards yeah. that for sure. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is definitely the place that I start. Um, and I think it's, it is the place to start. All the things that we do for gut health are also the things we're going to do to get somebody you know, on a healthier diet and or get them the body composition goals they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And so what kinds of things do you first introduce to your clients? Is it probiotic rich foods? Is it chewing really well? Is it all that stuff? Like where kind of the, maybe a client who has no awareness around gut health, I think our audience has pretty good level of understanding around how to work towards healing the gut just from a lot of our prior conversations and Allie and I are so passionate about it too. Um, But for someone that really has no understanding of what to do, where do you start with them? I think I start them with the basics, right? Like starting with real, whole, clean, organic foods, um, vegetables, proteins, fats, fiber, and then limiting the sugar, the processed foods, which is going to just like feed that bad bacteria. and then I, and then once we're there, then I tried to get clients to really be in touch with their hunger. So eating when you're hungry rather than just kind of like, oh, it's breakfast time I should eat or it's dinner time I should eat. Um, and then getting them to also be aware of when they're full because we can eat the healthiest, cleanest foods, right? But if we're overeating, we're still not going to get to our goals. So kind of getting them back in touch with that, making sure they're giving their digestive system a rest from dinner until breakfast. Um, making sure that's like at least like a good 12 hours, um, or more if people are not, you know, are not hungry at that time. Um, so those are probably the big things. And then of course, probiotic and prebiotic foods. I do try to get clients on a probiotic supplement, but I also try to get them to incorporate probiotic rich foods like, um, sauerkraut, a little kombucha, coconut yogurt, um, and then prebiotic foods as well. Um, like jicama, onions, garlic, uh, tiger nuts, dandelion, and cooked and then cooled starches. So that's, um, you know, like if people are going to eat starches, I think it's great, obviously, but if we can like cook them and then cool them down and then either warm them back up again or eat them cold, it's a really good source of prebiotic fiber. You're also my little food combining guru, and I'm excited to talk about this because we've not really touched on it much here on the show. I'm pretty interested in it as well. I've talked a little bit about not having fruit after dinner and how that can contribute to bloating, but can you break down the concept of food combining for our audience and the basics and principles around that way of eating as well? Because it's super interesting. 
Yes. Um, okay. So the purpose of food combining is to make things as easy as possible on your digestive system. So you want food going in and then you want it leaving your stomach as quickly as possible rather than sitting there and fermenting, causing gas, bloating, and all kinds of other digestive issues. Um, I think when people do follow this, they feel way better. And I personally have felt way better when I do follow it. I don't follow it 100% of the time. But I feel like my energy improves um, since your body's not like bogged down trying to digest a ton of different foods. So the theory, this is an Ayurvedic principle, and the theory is that different enzymes digest different foods and they will cancel each other out if they're eaten together. So proteins and starches in food combining are always separate. So if you're going to have, let's say, chicken, you're also not going to have rice with it or sweet potatoes. Um, and then fruit, as you said, always on an empty stomach because fruit is so easily digested. If you eat it after a meal, you're going, it's going to kind of just like sit there ferment. Um, so fruit on an empty stomach and then also like nuts and seeds are eaten alone as well. And then there's another part of it where you're, you shouldn't really be eating your, I mean, you should be drinking water with your meals which I know you've talked about before as well yeah. uh, because it kind of dilutes the digestive juices and it just makes it harder for your body to break it down. Yeah. I can't believe a few years ago I used to be so into ice cold water and would drink that with my meals. And I'm like, I can't even imagine doing that now. Just drinking ice cold water in general, like now I only drink room temp water and never with my meals. It's like feels so unnatural. But yeah, I used to be, I used to think it was a really strange concept and nothing I could do. <laughs> yeah. And I think people, a lot of people still think that. I also think when you're younger, your digestive system is just a little stronger so you can handle things better. But now as, you know, as we get older and, you know, in your, in older age, you just, it's just a little bit harder. So you have to kind of do these things to help your system. Mm -hmm. And you have a guide to food combining that people can, can sign up for, or is it on well, your website? You have something, I, right? I have a blog post. <laughs> You're like shaking your head. Don't, don't. Well, nope. <laughs> well, it's funny because that is something that I've been wanting to work on is oh, like right. a, a food combining ebook. So maybe yes. that's where you okay. thought, um, not quite there yet. That's okay. But I do have a blog post on it. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll link to that because it's kind of, I, do you find it can be overwhelming for people? Yes. Yeah. People are like so many rules, but when you, when you really like start to understand it, it makes complete sense. It's really about simplifying your meals. So choose one type of food and have that with vegetables and call it a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the fruit thing is really big. And I actually lately have been doing smoothie balls for breakfast because I used to do like a matcha in the morning with the Vital Proteins Coconut Collagen Creamer, which is fat and protein. And then I would maybe have a smoothie bowl or a breakfast and then a smoothie bowl. And lately I've been doing just water in the morning, then having a big smoothie bowl. And I found my digestion is so much better just having something so easy to digest. First thing in the morning, it seems like I'm going to the bathroom more and like just overall my digestion is so much better. So I feel like that's a good place for people to start is having fruit on an empty stomach or just not paired with other meals and just starting there can be yeah. good. There's also the um, idea of eating light to heavy Yeah. in food combining. So you want to start with the lightest food like fruits, um, things that are easily digested and then kind of moving throughout your day. And kind of ending with more like starchy foods, which is kind of a lot, a lot, the opposite of what people say, you know, like have your carbs in the morning so that you can like burn through them, which is not really a thing. So having your starches at night, also really good for like hormonal health and thyroid health as well, having starches in the evening. Yes, I totally agree. I always say that. And it can help you with sleep and with your adrenals and just calming the system down a little bit too. And I feel like I'm such a big fan of the starch for the soluble fiber. If anyone has constipation, it helps draw that water into the bowels and makes things a little softer, <laughs> easier to pass. <laughs> yes. So yeah, this is just, you know, this isn't something that everyone has to do and you definitely don't have to be super strict about it. I think it's just an interesting concept, something to explore and try out and just see if it helps you. Cause I know so much, so many people have bloating and that's what you and I have dealt a lot with too, or just, yeah, issues with constipation or diarrhea, really anything gut health related. And so it's nice to have a tool as well. That's not, it's 
there's quote unquote rules to it. There's structure to it, but it's not that you're cutting out certain foods. Right. Which yeah, I you can have everything more, you want. More freeing for certain. It is for me instead of being like, I can't have all these fruits and all these vegetables and all these fats. It's like, it's just more based around the gut and digestion instead of restricting all your food. Absolutely. And I think you're right. Like it's a great tool to experiment with and see how it works for you. I know when I started to experiment with it, I felt so much better. Like it was like night and day. So, and I also, you know, and again, I said, like, I don't do it a hundred percent of the time, but when I do it, I feel great. Also when my gut is kind of like, uh, like right now after expo <laughs> eating all the snack foods, that is something that I go to just to kind of rebalance myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It helps you listen to your body a lot yeah. more and anything that's going to be a tool for us to do that is always great. <laughs> But letting yourself, you guys, like try something like this. And if it doesn't work for you, then move on to something else. You know, nothing has to be forever. Introducing my new self-paced online program, Wellness Babe, now live and open for enrollment. I created the Wellness Babe program from a deep desire to support women in breaking free from feeling unbalanced and out of control around food in their bodies. For years, I jumped from diet to diet, desperate to change my body through punishment and restriction. Instead of choosing health, I chose dieting. Instead of choosing the quality of my food, I chose quantity, portions, points, and macros. Instead of choosing self-love, I chose self-loathing. I was totally lost, either on or off, good or bad. What I learned was missing when I ultimately healed my disordered relationship with food was the why. Why I was making the choices I was, what mattered to me and what didn't, and how I felt when I implemented those choices. From there, it no longer felt confusing or challenging. In fact, it started to become fun because I was in the driver's seat, proud, secure, and confident in how I ate, thought, and lived. Wellness Babe centers around empowering education and the insight and inspiration to take back control. Control from cookie-cutter dieting, control from misinformation and myths, and control from anyone or anything that tells you that you can't love yourself just the way you are. This program will teach you how to ground yourself, feel empowered around food and in your body, plus take what you've learned and keep it up forever in a way that feels completely doable, enjoyable, and totally you. I cannot wait for you to become a total wellness babe. Head on over to program.nutritionwithchelsea.com to see more details, the full curriculum, and get started with enrolling in Wellness Babe. I'll also include all of that in the show notes. I can't wait to see you guys there. Cool. Well, I really, really want to talk to you about the solo trip that you took end of last year, right? Did, or did it go into this year? Was it December to January? December to January, okay. yeah. Yeah. Into this year. So you went to Bali. Yes. And oh my gosh, I think it's so, it's such a unique experience. I think really inspiring for me and probably a lot of people listening to travel by yourself. So tell us all about that trip and some of the highs and lows and everything. Oh yeah, so much, so much to say. And I I still feel like I haven't quite, um, you know, digested everything from that trip. Um, This was my second time traveling alone on an international trip. The first time I think it was about three years ago, I went to Thailand by myself. So apparently I just love Southeast Asia. (laughs) So this is my second time. And I love traveling alone so much. People are like, aren't you scared? And sure, it's nerve wracking, but you traveling alone, there's, you have to fend for yourself in a way that you don't have to here. Um, it's nice to, it was for me, it was like nice to be myself, like read journal, not, not worrying about anybody else, making sure anybody else is like, okay, or happy, which is like, I feel like a lot of what people are doing when they're traveling with other people is just like making sure like, Oh, are you hungry? Like, do you want to go rest? Do you want to go back to the hotel? For me, it was like, I just could do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted and making myself happy. And there's so much to learn in that process of like, what is, what makes me happy? What makes me feel good? What do I want to do today? Um, yeah. So I went to Bali and I also went to Java, which is another Island in Indonesia, which was like a very different experience. Um, they don't see a lot of people who look like me there. So people stare at you. They ask to take photos with you. Once one person comes and asks to take a photo with you, there's like a line of people that are just like waiting to take a photo with you because they just don't see people that look like me. Um, I felt pretty safe. Um, but in Java, I did feel like a little bit uneasy walking around by myself, like as a woman walking around by myself. 
Um, but Bali was incredible. The wellness scene there is like none other than I have ever seen anywhere else. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. The energy is amazing. Um, what else? I took a raw food cooking class when I was there. That was like one of the highs for sure. And just like sitting around in cafes, eating a ton of raw food desserts, which are really big there. Um, and I think just the highs of like meeting people and hearing their stories and hearing different perspectives from people all around the world just like takes you out of your little bubble that, that at least I am in here, especially in LA. Um, but it also, yeah, you're, there are some lows. There was definitely some rough times. I was trying to find a hotel one night and I went to like three different hotels and like thought I was like going to have nowhere to stay because every hotel that I went to and I was like paying, I was staying at a hotel with, that was like pretty cheap, like $25 a night. And it was like great. And then I wanted to like spend a little bit more money and really have like a nice vacation. And it seemed like the more money I spent, the worse the hotel was. I just <laughs> was like put in a shack at one point where there was like holes in the wall. And I was like, I can't stay here. And then they moved me to another room and there was like bugs everywhere. Which really just like grossed me out. Yeah. Um, and just like not feeling safe. And that's, I think, a really hard thing when you're traveling alone. You want to feel safe, especially in your hotel. And I didn't have that. And I ended up like going back to the hotel that I was staying at to begin with. But yeah, it can be scary. But overall, it's like definitely a, a growth experience. Yeah. It sounds like it would push you way out of your comfort zone. And it makes you realize that you can kind of do, you know, you can get through anything. You can get through traveling alone by yourself in a foreign country. Coming back here, everything feels so easy. Wow. Yeah. That's, it's kind of fascinating to me. And it's something I really want to do because I know that I would be really scared to be alone. And what I've noticed about myself in the last year or so is how much I don't like being quiet and how I always have a podcast on or music on or something in the background. I literally am so uncomfortable with time and space. And I think so many people can relate to that, not having someone to talk to or something to do and creating your own day. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm sure it's just such an eye-opening experience in every way and probably really good for someone who's a people pleaser mm -hmm. and um, a codependent even as well. Like talk about forcing you out of your comfort zone to just take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I really did try to be quiet. Like I tried not to listen to any podcast or music or really anything. And just when I was walking around, I had like, you know, just listening to the sounds of the city and talking to people and smiling and making eye contact, which I feel like we're so in our phones here. So that was like, and I felt like when I, I'm the same way, when I'm getting ready, I'm constantly listening to a podcast or something. And there I try not to do that at all and just really get back in touch with myself. Yeah. And what kinds of things when you were quiet came up for you? I did a lot of crying in Bali. Yeah. I did a lot of reading too, which I feel like, I, I feel like I never have time to read here. Um, and I did a lot of reading and a lot of journaling and just like a lot of things from like my past and my childhood came up that I really like ended up working through, which was amazing. Yeah. And you're not a big crier normally. Yes? No, no, no I wouldn't yeah. say I am. Yeah. But to really like sit and really like, f because we're so busy, we're do like, we're, we keep ourselves so busy probably for a reason, you know, to protect ourselves from feeling that. But when we get quiet and we can like feel, feel those, those emotions feels good. Ooh, feels yeah. good. Yeah. Exactly. Sitting with those emotions and you're right. We're so busy and we do all the things to power through those emotions, those uncomfortable emotions. And that's probably why you came back and you felt, you felt so good because you actually processed through stuff that probably was built up for, since you went on your last solo trip, <laughs> time in between. Yeah, and to just like have that time with like your own brain and like, listen, like what is your brain even like, what's even happening in the brain? You know, we're constantly like in, inputting information. We don't have time to like digest any of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And what was the book? You were reading a book about loneliness or about, was it something like that? Yes. It was called The Anatomy of Loneliness. Yeah. 
which was really, I, I highly recommend that to everybody. I've like sent that book to so many people since I've read it. Yeah. And you're a very, you're a very, in, I mean, something I'm like, I've always known about you. <laughs> We've known each other for about a year, but I don't know. I feel close. Um, you're a very independent person. Yes. And I think what that book kind of made me realize is like, I really like to be alone, but is my liking to be alone really just a way that, because I'm, I'm like, I'm very comfortable alone. I like being by myself, but it is, is it a way that one of the things she talks about in the book is we, we don't really like to be around people because we don't really feel ourselves. We feel like we're constantly like putting on a show for people or we can't really be who we're, who we really are in front of those people. So that when we go back home and by ourselves, we're like, Oh, this feels good to be like not having to like put on any kind of show for people. And I don't think that I do that, but I think there's a little bit of like, you feel like sometimes you just feel like disconnected from people when you're with them and it just feels better to be by yourself. But the more vulnerable we can be with people, the more we start to feel connected and we start to actually get energy from being with people. Oh, I love the way that you broke that down. I was just talking to someone about that last night about how over the last few years, I've I've really made such a change in my relationships. I've just outgrown a lot of my relationships. Not only, not necessarily like a negative thing. I had to distance myself from people. Some people I did, but some mm. people it's like I just grew out of it because I need to be able to be vulnerable and connect with someone on a deeper level. And that comes down to, to like, I'm a cancer and I'm more of like an introvert and I like really like deep conversations talking one-on-one. But yeah, if we're not, if we're not able to be ourselves in front of other people, we are going to feel like we're wearing a mask and we are going to feel drained and it's going to be easier to stay in our cocoon and hide out and hide away because it's just more, it's comfortable. We can breathe. So it's like, yeah, that's so interesting. And I think that is a big part of wellness is like making sure that you have people who you can have that with. And over the last few years, I've kind of done the same thing. I've like really distanced myself from a lot of friends that just didn't really align with me anymore. You know, they really like to go out and party and talk about celebrities and gossip. And that's not really my thing. And I think that's okay. And it's okay to like, yeah, be lonely in the meantime when you're like trying to find your new tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which can be hard. Yeah. And it's been coming up a lot for me lately because I'm getting married in like six months. It just keeps getting closer and closer. And I've been, I don't know, going through a lot of heavy emotions because I don't have a really big group of girlfriends. And when you think wedding, you think bachelorette party and bridal shower and ton, you know, the pictures with 20 girlfriends behind you. And I just don't have that. And in my normal life, I've, I am at peace with it. I feel like I have a few great close friends and that's, that is enough for me, but it's that almost like society pressure to have a lot of people around you. And it's that whole thing, quality over quantity but we get it. I feel like we get it backwards a lot and we feel like we should have all these friends and be so social and do all the things. It's, it's really a balance. It's because there's times where I've had hidden, hidden out too much mm-hmm. and then times where I've like forced myself to do things, but feel unsatisfied by, by those activities. So it's, yeah, it's really like, it's the balance. And I think a lot, a lot of girls and women write into the show with that kind of question mm-hmm. about even like how to create like adult friendships or even how to create boundaries with people, you know, like friends and stuff that you no longer feel connected to. And yeah. How do you kind of, have you wrap, is it hard for you? Like what I'm expressing, like it's been kind of like a, like a, a situation of wrapping my mind around that, but was it yeah, I think difficult for you too? Yeah. I think it continues to be difficult. I mean, I don't think I, I have an answer to it. Um, And I think, yeah, as you know, I'm in my thirties and it is hard to like make friends, but like, I think you just kind of have like, you know, when we went to Palm Springs together, we had maybe had, we had lunch maybe twice coffee. It wasn't even like, we didn't really know each other, (laughs) Yeah. but I think you have to like, you know, I put myself out there and I was like, I'm going to this thing. Do you want to come, you know, stay in this hotel with me for two days? We're really going to get close or we're going to hate each other at the end of it. But, (laughs) um, 
Yeah, I think I have to, I've really been, because I, I can easily stay in my house all weekend, you know, and not go anywhere and do anything because I like to be home. Um, but I think I've really made an effort to like pick up the phone, text somebody at like, and really try to make plans with even people that I, you know, don't have a close relationship with that I want to be closer with. I think it, just like anything, it takes time to cultivate relationships and you really have to work at it. Um, but you have to like be willing to do that and put in the work. Yeah. So true. Um, so with coming back from Bali and your solo trip and everything that you learned and how much it sounds like you really transformed and worked through things, what was it like to transition back into your, your normal day-to-day life here in the U S uh, I came back just like telling everybody that I was moving to Bali and now it's been, I guess, almost two months since I've been back. And now I'm like, what? I did, did I even go to Bali? It feels like a whole nother world, whole nother reality. Um, it was hard. It was definitely a hard transition because I was gone for three weeks and not really doing any work. I mean, I was staying in touch with some of my clients, but otherwise like just really vacationing. Um, and it definitely was a hard transition. But like anything, you once you kind of get into the swing of things, you're right back to it. And yeah, it feels like it just feels like I didn't even go, which mm-hmm. I think I'm like trying to bring certain things that I learned from the trip back to my life here, like connection and really like having conversations with people, um, you know, even at the grocery store, like having a conversation with the person who's checking you out and rather just like, you know, saying like, thank you and being on my phone the whole time. I've been trying to be a little bit more present. Yeah. Love not that. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> not easy, but you know, I do the same thing with people who, yeah, check me out at, at the grocery store and stuff. And they're like, Hey, how are you? And instead of just being like, good, how are you? It's like actually asking them a question and having a bit of a conversation. And as someone who's worked in many jobs like that, like I did a lot of retail jobs where I checked people out and people are so closed off and it's like I'm a a person too and it makes you both feel good to engage in that way and it's it's cool to talk with a stranger yeah you can learn so much from people you know instead of instead of not engaging and like giving them a real answer like when somebody asks you how you're doing I think you know if we are not having a good day we automatically just want to say like oh we're good everything's fine but like, why not just tell that person they asked, right? Like, why not just tell them how, how you're really feeling? And you might have a connection because they might be going through the same thing. Yeah, I'm laughing because I'm that person that'll be like, I'm okay. <laughs> like, I'm so on it. Start crying at the grocery store. <laughs> and like, I, my favorite is um, when they're like, did you do anything fun today? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, I went to the chiropractor. Like, so, you know, it's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you think you still want to move to Bali? I want to go back again for sure and then decide. Um, I'd really love to live there a couple months out of the year. It's a great, I think it's a great place to like work where there's a lot of people working remotely from there. There's like amazing, beautiful cafes, like overlooking like lush rice patties. And I think it'd be a great place to just to work from remotely. So hopefully that's kind of the plan to, to do in the future. Cool. I love it. And do you have other trips planned? Do you want to do another solo trip or do you have one planned? I don't. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything planned as of yet. So we'll see. I feel like it's, it's a, it was definitely a big trip and I feel like you can only do that. I mean, I can only do that maybe once a year, maybe twice a year. We'll see. Yeah. So yeah. Well, you're in, you've inspired me. I, I want to go to Bali. It's actually somewhere I'm considering for our honeymoon. Hmm. I don't know if I'm ready to go somewhere that far by myself. Like I could even just go somewhere like here in the States. Maybe start with a domestic trip and then kind of work <laughs> your way up. Yeah. But I didn't really, I didn't really go too many places by myself, even domestically before I went. Yeah. I think Bali and Southeast Asia in general, Thailand, um, Indonesia, specifically Bali, I feel like are great places as a female to go alone. So I think if you're going to do any traveling alone, those are great places. And it's so cheap, Mm -hmm. you know, so you don't really have to spend a lot of money to do it other than your plane ticket. Yeah. Super cool. 
So like we talked about in the beginning, you've been doing, you've been coaching and training and owning your own business and sharing all the wellness inspo for so long. What kind of advice do you have for, we have a lot of people who listen to the show who are either new coaches or maybe are interested in getting into coaching or, or even training or something like that. Do you have any advice for people since it is becoming so popular to sort of help them in that, in that journey? I think my advice would be to just start doing it. I think I see so many, and even in my holistic nutrition program, I feel like I saw so many after our certification was over, people went immediately to try to like get a new certification. I see people just like stuck in like an education rut. They just like want to keep learning and learning and education's great, but I feel like the best way to learn how to do something is by doing it. You become a great coach by coaching people, not by like continuing to educate yourself. And obviously it's important, but seeing what works and what doesn't work with your clients is how you learn how to talk to them and how to get them to actually make changes. Um, I feel like people don't feel like they know enough, but I think most of the time you're going to know way more than the clients you're taking on. So education is pointless if you can't actually connect with people and help your clients make the changes that they need to make. Yeah, you're so right. And I encountered that a little bit when I first got certified and I was put out into the real world of trying to make this a business. And I was like, should I go back to school? Should I do this program? And every time I started to feel like I was taking a step back or not as successful as I should be or whatever, it was like, okay, what other program? Like looking to that. And you're right. So many people get stuck in that rut and just starting. And I'm, I'm such a fan of just like putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and sharing your story because I think that's equally as important as having the certification and like expertise of course to back it up but people these days want to connect with someone real who Mm -hmm. has like a personal story even like a compassionate and empathetic energy to you know put out there like that's what I think attracts people to us it's not so much like I did this and this and this and this you know because yeah, what does that really mean if you don't have every, everything else to back up that? Yeah, people want to be coached by somebody who's like been through it and who understands it. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so what kinds of things are you, do you have stuff you're working on right now? I am really just trying to figure out what is next for me. Um, I'm trying to take my business more online, as I said, more than in person. Um, so just trying to work with more clients online. Um, and then I don't know. I mean, I want to create a program or an ebook, but I'm just still trying to like figure that out and work that out and what the next step is for me. Yeah. You have a crazy schedule. Tell us like, don't you wake <laughs> up at like 3 a.m.? Three or four. Yeah. Is. Um, I really like my morning routine. So I really try to get in my me time before I start because I start at either 5.30 or 6.30 every day um, at the moment. It kind of fluctuates, but right now I'm either 30 or 6 30 with clients. So I really like to have my little time in the morning for me because once my day gets started, it's like, it's a wrap. Um, yeah. So I see clients all day and then, or throughout the morning and then try to like have my own workout and eating and then doing all of my businessy stuff online and creating content for the rest of the day. So it gets a little hectic. So it's hard to kind of fit in time to continue to build my business, but I'm working on it. Yeah. Do you have any like time management or productivity tools or even like ways of, of thinking or managing it that you can offer to our people? Um, time blocking, I feel like has been really helpful. So I really try to only see clients during a certain amount of time, like seeing clients back to back. And then, um, like any office work that I have is kind of just like sit, you know, doing, doing that at a specific time rather than trying to like do a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, I recently got an office space, which I really feel like is so helpful to me because working from home is so tough, as you know, and I feel like I can get so easily distracted here. Um, So I really tried to, I've been trying to like go into the office every day and really just like doing a couple hours of work there. So it's like a little bit more structured. And then also then it's like my house is like just for me and my time, my rest time and my self-care time to be home rather than having it also be my office. Yes. Oh my God. So good. And that's, <laughs> I need to do that real bad. <laughs> um, so I know you just went to Expo West and you were looking at all like the new products and things like that. Was there anything, one or two things that you saw that were really cool that 
you're excited to come out? Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought some of the milk, the milks. Oh, the nut milks. Yes. Okay. So, so oat milk is really big right now. So I don't know if your audience knows about milk, but milk is a plant. We've talked about it. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, milk is a plant-based milk, but what I love about them is that all of their ingredients are organic. And not only that, but their nuts are sprouted, which makes it much easier on digestion. Um, and it's just very minimal ingredients, no fillers, no emulsifiers, nothing like that. They have an oat milk now um, that's sprouted oat milk and organic, which I tasted and it was so delicious. It also is way more foamier than the nut milks. So I think that's why people are all about the oat milk lately. Yes, um, people love oat milk. But most of the brands have like, maybe like rapeseed oil. Yeah, canola oil, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. So that they don't have any oils. Yeah. So that, that was, that's a great brand. I love them. Um, in terms of anything else, I mean, there was, there was a lot of good, good stuff, but it's all, you know, at the end of the day, it's all processed quote unquote healthy food. So mm -hmm. it's great for people who are transitioning to, from, you know, a standard American diet and need kind of those foods to kind of fill, fill that in. I think it's great, but yeah, nothing, um, nothing earth shattering that I saw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, just wanted to ask you that since you were just there. So where can we connect with you and learn more from you and just be your best friend? Like I am with you. <laughs> you can be my best friend on Instagram, which is where I spend most of my time doing stories and creating posts and content. Um, it's at raw fitness and nutrition. And then you can learn a little bit more about me on my website, which is rawfitnessandnutrition.com. Awesome. And you do virtual coaching. I do. Yes. People can reach you anywhere. Yep. yep. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. It was literally so fun to talk with you. It was like just gal pals chatting about, but thank you so much for coming on and we'll definitely make sure to link everything and um, everyone be sure to go follow Amanda. She actually shares, she's before we became friends. You were definitely one of my favorite people to follow and you still are. Um, she shares a lot of just really good usable information instead of just like, this is what I'm eating. This is what I'm doing. It's actually like attainable information that people can implement and learn from. Thank so you. That. Thank you. And thank <laughs> you for having me on. This was so fun. Yes. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you'd like to submit a question, you can email us at nutritionishpodcast at gmail.com or head on over to our website and click under the submit a question tab. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It means the world to us. Also be sure to subscribe so a new episode gets downloaded for you every single week. For more from me, Chelsea, head to nutritionwithchelsea.com and follow me on Instagram at nutritionwithchelsea. For more from Allie, even though if we have any new listeners, they're like, where is she? She's with her little baby boy. She'll be back soon. You can follow her at Fair Food Nutrition and go over and follow Amanda and all she has to offer. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.